Hello and welcome to NDA. We're doing this a little bit differently this time. We're actually going on camera. I'm joined today by my friend, Patch from TierZoo, who is, say hi, Patch. Hey, everyone. How's it going? We're in the same room. There's no uh, master shot on this, but like we are making eye contact in the same room right now. It's the first mm. one we've done like this. It feels like a little less podcast, a little more talk show. Yeah. Like I'm just going to sit over here, sipping from my- Yeah, I can on. I can make eye contact with you. And oh, I was going to ask, can I look at the camera? Hmm? Should I make eye contact with the camera? Like, yeah, we're not- Do the sort not, of office yeah. kind of thing. Like You're going like, to gym the do camera? Do the gym face, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, like they can see the microphones. They know yeah. that we know we're on a show. Yeah. <laughs> you can, <laughs> if you want to wave, you, you can wave. How you doing, man? I doing well. Doing after after last night was our Christmas party. It was uh, a good time. It was yeah. a good time. I was a little disappointed at no, the no karaoke, but the Jackbox <laughs> was pretty fun. You know the the no karaoke thing. Uh, for context, uh, every year for Halloween, our Halloween party, we do a whole karaoke setup here in the Nebula office called, called Scaryoke. Scaryoke because that's fun. Yeah. Uh, I've I've never been a karaoke person until we started doing this. And now it's become like a favorite activity of mine only in the context of doing this with my friends in a controlled environment where like you're pretty sure nobody's picking bad songs and you're pretty sure the audio is going to be okay and you're yeah. pretty sure that the night's going to be a good time you're not out at some crappy bar or something or like waiting in line. with. So I, the, the two ways to do karaoke are either you're at a bar with a bunch of randos or you are in this tiny packed room that's too hot and you're paying for overpriced drinks mm -hmm. and trying to make the best of it. This is like the, the best of all possible worlds doing it somewhere like this. But because we were doing this and because we just uh, I just yesterday hosted the uh, jet lag season four after show, we needed the room, the studio here uh, on camera. You can see behind patch. There's you know, some stuff back there. This is our our studio. Uh, we needed the room to, to film other things. We wanted to do this. So it didn't didn't make sense to make poor Mike, our uh, our studio producer, run around and set up everything multiple times. This is so much backstory that probably isn't that interesting for the audience. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, well. <laughs> Look at all this. You're intel. just explaining to me why I didn't get to sing my songs. That's yeah, really it. Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> well, I, so I've, I had one question I wanted to ask you. And Shoot. this is, can't stress enough, this isn't an interview show, but there's something that you do that I think is very interesting and very unique in this space. There are people who play the game, people who are, hustlers or trying to make certain things happen. And they're kind of, I don't want to say plotting and scheming in a nefarious way, not at all, but people who they, they're, they're, they're like playing chess with their careers and their, their place in the industry. Okay. They're very strategic about it. Some people are um, naturally gifted with this. I think Sam from Wendover is extremely naturally gifted at this. Mm -hmm. Some people work hard and they, they like, like hitting the gym, you know, they, they, they polish their skills like Devin legal legal. Mm -hmm. And then there are people like you where I don't even think, you know, you do it. <laughs> you're really good at it. You're great at making connections. You're great at making friends everywhere you go. Everyone likes you, but it seems like we've, we've been working together for years. I have some insight into how you do things. Mm -hmm. I see zero effort from you that looks like hustle. I see zero effort from you that looks like big picture strategy play everything just feels like you're a really nice guy going through life trying to make friends and okay. that just happens i i mean i think that's a pretty accurate summary is it that I'm, simple well <laughs> i mean it's that or i'm like a really really good hustler right like <laughs> you're just that good at the game yeah i mean just yeah exactly an excellent poker face like super mastermind but no i i mean to be honest i kind of see the 
the making of the friends as like the reward that I get for doing like being involved in the industry. Like that's that's like the good part. I don't know. So But you know that like as you make friends you you kind of level up your station and as you level up your station you get access to new friends like it i i don't mean to suggest you're dumb or something but like it must click for you that these two things kind of intertwine in this way yeah i i do see it that way as well i suppose but like i don't know i just don't see it i i definitely don't see it as like a means to an end i more right. i more see it as an end and like is it an end that maybe leads to more ends uh, yes, I guess. Um, but it's just like, I, that's what I like to do. I like to hang out with people. I like to meet people who, especially like if they're people whose careers I've been following for like a really long time before I even did YouTube. Like, I don't know. It was just a cool experience. Like these people want to be my friend. Like, no way. I don't, it's, it's awesome. Do you think it's better to approach it as like, like, um, I don't know, almost like a, like when you're in school. And it's not about getting to the head of the class. It's about you get the experience out of it that you get and you you try to work hard and get good grades. But then you go out to recess and you're playing Pokemon cards with your friends and, <laughs> and you know, having a good time. And like the reason you get up and go to school every day is because you're really excited to hang out with your friends and play Pokemon cards. And the school stuff you realize is important, but it's not really the reason you're going. Is that the the sort of the the way you look at it? Kind of. I I think especially with like primary school, high school, that kind of thing. I actually think the more important lessons you learn are not the math class and I mean history and stuff like that's good to know of course and I'm glad I learned a lot about biology because I biology, care yeah. about that stuff and I like it and I think it's interesting. But like this is one of the things I really that I really think people who are like homeschooled and stuff miss out on is like <laughs> the experience of being in this sort of big social web where you have to care about other people and other people care about you and mm to navigate that kind of thing you learn how to do that and i mean not to say that people who are homeschooled can't do that of course like people make friends through other means especially um people in those kind of circles but uh, i i do think that's a huge deal about school and yeah i think in youtube as well but there's other people who when they go to school their their mission is to get the best grades so they can get into the best college so they can get the best job and get ahead and they're like they're really jockeying for position you don't seem to see it that way I mean, perhaps it's kind of just like me pretending I don't know that that's also a good strategy because I don't think I can do it. Like, I don't know. I I was never like a completely perfect student. I was a good student. I excelled in a lot of ways, but I never I never was like number one valedictorian, that kind of thing. And so maybe I'm just kind of coping and telling myself, oh, you know, like that's not worth it. It's more <laughs> about the friends you make along the way or something like that. <laughs> the real success is the friends yeah. you make along the way. I was a shit student, man. Yeah. I was bad. I, uh, I left, I dropped out of high school when I was 16 and I left school with one half of a credit. Okay. I, my, my GPA, I think it was like 0.005. Okay. Like I, I was failing every class. My guidance counselor said, yeah, you should drop out. Dang. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was not a great time for me. And not That's because rough. I was dumb. I just wasn't a good student. Like that wasn't a good structure for yeah. me because I was bad at the making friends part. I moved around a lot as a kid. I was really, I was, uh, yeah. Like this is the 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 weird thing about you go through life and and things change. But as a kid, uh, I I moved around a bunch, and it it was difficult for me to make long lasting new friends in a new place. And as 
I think the the impact that had on me is I became very socially awkward. I was also very overweight in high school. I was about three hundred pounds, and no kidding, <laughs> I had long hair, and I didn't take care of myself. So I was just like, uh, and and with without this uh, very manly beard I have now, uh, I have very feminine features. So until like my mid twenties, uh, early twenties, I still had really long hair, still hmm. overweight, uh, still no ability to grow facial hair feminine features i got called ma'am a lot which, ouch <laughs> yeah yeah that messes with you a little bit okay yeah <laughs> uh but because of all of it, like it kind of led to a bunch of social anxiety and i couldn't be around people and then one day uh i, I couldn't even tell you what the catalyzing thing was i just realized that i wasn't a person that i'd want to be mm-hmm. i didn't have any of the things that i wanted to have i didn't have access to anything i would like i was never going to live a life that i wanted to live and if i if I wanted anything to change, I needed to change something. So I sat down with the yellow legal pad and I just made a list of everything about myself that I didn't like. Anything I could think of. And I just started thinking like, okay, I'm going to go through this list. And if there's things on this list I can change, I need to, I need to put in the work to change them. And so some of it was like losing a bit of weight or uh, forcing myself to go out and interact with people socially. When I was 18, I, I was working nights and I, I couldn't leave my apartment to take the trash out during the day because I was afraid people would see me. So it's like, if I want to ever get up on a stage and perform music, I have to get over this. I have mm-hmm. to find a way past. If I ever want to meet a girl, I have to go out and talk to people. And so forcing myself through that, I was terrible at the social stuff in school. I, I, I was never great at making friends. And it wasn't until probably in my 20s that I started developing the skills that I would need to, to meet people and, and build relationships. Wow, I would have never guessed that that's your backstory. It's a good uh, note that it's you know never too late to kind of level that up. Yeah, I, I think it's it comes down to like if you put in the practice, if you have a target, and I wouldn't say that like I cynically approach my job or the industry uh, as like I must hustle and get forward. What mm-hmm. I recognize is that uh, there are relationships that I wish that I had. There there were people that I wanted to get to know or to learn from, and the only way I could get there is if I elevated myself to a place where they would want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about just the friends that I make along the way, and it's not just about hustling, but for me, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but for me personally, the way I approach it is, I want both of these things, mm-hmm. and I understand that if you if you balance it right, it can be a perpetual motion machine. I can advance and I can build new relationships, and uh, so far that that's worked out okay. But I think that it's interesting that when when I look across the spectrum of of the folks I mentioned, uh, Sam from Wendover, Devin, uh, Thomas Frank, who's in the next room right now, probably doing something in Notion, uh, <laughs> the the folks that who are close to us who approach their careers in certain ways, there's a spectrum of this. But I feel like you are so far on that end of the spectrum. Do you think that that propels you or holds you back in some way? <laughs> Um, I mean, there's no way to really know what my life would be like if I perhaps acted a different way. But I think one of the other things that really drives me to like make these connections is just like hobbies. Like I'm always, I'm always getting into new games and into new hobbies and that kind of thing. And I just meet these other people who happen to like, I don't know, make videos on whatever hobby that is. And so then like, they'll be willing to help me like excel in that hobby. And maybe that opens up more opportunities too, or whatever. I don't know, but that's always been a lot of fun meeting people who are the big, uh, the big educators or the big like pros. Like for example, in like the the gaming communities, like I'll get to hang out with the 
the people who are really, really good at the games and make me look bad. But then I like get to learn from them and see how that operates. But you get that because of your job. You because you've re- like reached this level of success, you get those doors open for you. That's true. But that's also kind of how I got my job was by studying them and like learning how they think. I mean, that's kind of what my channel is about is like, okay, this sort of hyper competitive mindset for games and I'm applying it to other contexts too. But you're not hyper competitive. I <laughs> I guess it depends. Well, I mean, in, in, <laughs> we're playing like Star Realms or something. Yes. That's but, true. I but mean, like the YouTube hustle, that doesn't seem... Well, I mean, I'm competitive in that I... I like to optimize for like free time and uh, yeah, doing do. what I like to do. Uh, <laughs> so I think I'm, I think I'm doing a pretty bang up job of releasing videos that do well enough that I can have a lot of free time. Yeah, you were successful enough that you don't need to make more than one video a quarter. I mean, yeah, five videos a year. That's what actually Todd told me. He was like, your channel is doing amazingly well for releasing five videos a year. And I mean, some people might say, okay, that's shots fired. You could be doing way more. <laughs> but like, I mean, to me, that's like awesome. I'm nailing it. This is where I want to be. <laughs> I but got you, all this time. But you could build a machine. I remember, what was it two, a year, two years ago, there was a whole clubhouse thing and mm. a bunch of us were, were bitching at you about <laughs> stop editing your own videos. Stop doing this. Yeah. And just like everyone else, you're like, no, no, no. I love doing the editing. That's what makes it special. And we're all like, nobody cares. Dude. It's, nobody it's, cares. Not it makes it, it's just what makes it me. It's like, I see these things that I put in and it's like, oh, I, I actually had this idea and I saw it play out and all that sort of thing. But I mean, you're right. And I, I'm trying to to branch out and do other things. Well, what happened? Please share with the the class what happened when you finally got an editor and you released the first video that was edited by somebody else. Well, it did fine. It was fine. And then I I, I guess, okay, also, yes, I got, there were comments (laughs) that were like, wow, the editing improved so much. (laughs) And I was like, thanks a lot. Didn't you get a text message too? I I mean, I... Which te- which one are you talking about? I remember the story that I heard was that your mom reached yeah, out okay, to you. Yeah, okay, it's that one. Yes, <laughs> she was like, "Wow, you really stepped up your game, huh?" And I was like, "Well, not exactly. I guess maybe depending on how you define stepping up your game." I love that your mom watches your videos. She's my biggest fan. Oh, thanks, thanks a lot, mom. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that's great. But also that like she would come out and be like, "You stepped up your game," and the audience is, "Wow, this looks really yeah. great." That that seems like a pretty clear signal that if you like go a little hands off, maybe things can. Yeah, perhaps I was leaving a lot on the table. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but the problem is the editing was never really like the bottleneck in the first place. It was what always is? just just like the ideas um, and the concept and the scripts. And that's something that I've tried to like have other people do. And it just doesn't work. Have you tried a uh, chat GPT? <laughs> I did actually the other day. <laughs> and I mean. For for a few things, it might be useful to be honest, but it's it refuses to admit that it knows who I am. So oh, you know, yeah. well, it's only trained up to well, it's trained up to last summer, I think, uh, summer twenty twenty one. So it should know who you. I don't know. I would I would think maybe, but I when I asked it like, hey, can you write it in the style of Tirzu? It's like you know, I actually don't know anything about specific creators, so I'm unable to replicate that sort of style. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, it like specifically says like. I have a hard boundary against this. Sorry. And I'm like, okay, cool, I guess. But if you could like describe the way you write, like who, uh, Jason from Not Just Bikes was saying like, okay, write, write a video about why cars are bad, but uh, do it in a very snarky. Yeah. And really passive aggressive tone. Yeah. tone. <laughs> <laughs> then it spits out a couple of paragraphs. He's yeah. like, oh shit, I'm out of a job. 
Yeah, I suppose I could try to describe it like, hey, can you write it as though you're writing about a competitive video game? But I don't know if that would work. I'll, I'll give it a try later. Well, it could also just be like you use it for, I don't know why I'm pitching this, but you can use it for just like generating a list of ideas. Yeah. My point, bigger point, is that I think that you could build a machine that puts out a video every two weeks, that it's still you narrating, and you're writing one out of four of those maybe, mm -hmm. um, but you've got a team of people or a team of robots uh, that that are building out the rest, and maybe it's less about you writing every word of the script, and it's more about you taking the ideas and rewriting it in your voice to where you're comfortable with it. And if other people are handling animation, other people are handling uh, other parts of the the apparatus, you can be that much more effective. Yeah. Or, or kind of two questions here: Do you think that that the infrequency is part of the charm and what makes it work, or where do you want it to be? Well, to answer your first question, I think the the sort of jokes and jargon that I use can get kind of repetitive if people watch too many. Um, you think it so would work I, against you? I, I think spacing it out is probably wise. If I release too much in a short time, I think I would kind of burn my audience out on, I mean, on the whole channel, on the whole idea, because realistically, like you start to kind of see through like, okay, you really, you're just saying animal facts and twisting the words a little bit and but who cares well maybe and, and i would love to be wrong of course because the the audience and this is this is the thing that that todd the director of the the youtube discovery team what's his actual he's the guy who runs the algorithm head of search and discovery i think search oh yeah that's right he's in charge of search now okay that's a, he's important uh there's a good friend to have mm -hmm. he he's beaten into us that the the notion that most of the people who watch your videos are not your subscribers and yeah most of your subscribers don't watch your videos or don't watch every video and so the concept of the audience and your audience are circles in a venn diagram with way less overlap than creators tend to think and so if that's true and we would expect that todd has no reason to lie to us if that's true then we could also expect that if you put out a video a week, most of your viewers aren't going to watch every single one of them, mm -hmm. but you could reach a much larger, um, like you can increase the size of each of these circles in a Venn diagram without necessarily needing to increase the overlap. I, I want to believe that's true. But there's also something kind of telling me just like coming from the viewer side, like I, I know there are, there are creators who I look forward to watching and I know that they only put out like their very best stuff that only comes out like a few times a year. And whenever they put something out, I'm clicking that my first opportunity that I get. And there's some people who like started out that way and then really ramped up. And now I don't watch them at all anymore hmm. because like. I just know that they're going to put out more and I can watch it later. And it's not like, like I didn't miss anything because there's just always more coming out. So I don't know, maybe that's cynical, but I, that's how I've operated. And that's kind of, I just kind of assume that people who like my stuff from the audience side are like me and like how I behave on the audience side. So you think that, that scarcity is a feature there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you look at like television, it used to be the model was a, a season of a TV show on network TV, even on, on cable TV, would be like 24, 26 episodes. Mm -hmm. And there'd be a couple of breaks throughout the year. But for the most part, the show starts in, say, September, ends in May or June, and then summer break. 
Mm-hmm. And the show just, they, they keep producing the show all through the calendar. And week over week, people are watching that time slot to see that show. Some weeks they're on break and you're going to see a rerun. Mm-hmm. Now the model is, well, either you get the, the eight to 10 episodes of whatever uh, Star Wars or Marvel show or Stranger Things. Well, no, let me take that back. Uh, like HBO, the Disney Plus stuff, they do week to week. Apple TV, I think, does week to week. Or Netflix will do one drop. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess this, this season of Stranger Things, they broke up. But it's like, here's the thing, binge it. Or yeah. here's eight weeks in a row, and then we're going to disappear for a year or two. Yeah. Do you think that contributes to prestige? I don't know. Because that to me, if I could... Well, let me ask this differently. Are you which of those things are you? Which one of those things is Tearzu? Is Tearzu better as here's your eight weeks of Tearzu and then you disappear for a year and create that scarcity? Or uh is Tearzu you could watch this every day after school and love it? I think it's probably more on the scarcity side. I mean, I kind of see what's happening with, for example, the MCU releasing all of these shows, like now that there's a whole bunch, I watched the first, which one was the first one? Falcon and Winter Soldier? Like that one came out and that was like the big, which one? WandaVision was the first? Yes, that one. Yes. And everyone was watching that. Strong start. Yeah, I thought it was great. I watched that. Um, And then they just started dumping more and more shows. And I, now I don't watch any of them. Now I've completely stopped. I do watch them, but I, I, I get where you're coming from where it's like, oh, Ms. Marvel. I, yeah, I'll watch this, I guess. And there's parts of it like, okay, that's cute and charming. And even so, like, I'm a Moon Knight fan. Like, from the comics, I love Moon Knight. I watch the show and I'm like, all right. Yeah, see? I mean, I skipped She-Hulk. I skipped uh, uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye was pretty good. I Actually, She-Hulk was pretty good, too. Was you, it? Okay. You might, like, those are two of the ones that you probably shouldn't have skipped. Everything else you you Perhaps. Enjoyed. I mean, yeah, I, I skipped But how do you Moon know, Knight, right? I, I don't, but that's the thing is, like, I know that there's more coming out. They're going to keep going and they're going to keep churning out. And I, I feel like I'm already behind. Mm. so yeah when there was uh like you had to wait a year between the iron man movie and then the hulk movie and then another year for the thor movie there's a real feeling of anticipation yeah and i definitely didn't feel like i was ever behind it was like it was very easy to keep up with um and i don't know not that there's any like overarching narrative in my videos or anything but i I don't know i wouldn't want people to feel like they're behind either do you think the audience misses anything when they miss one of your videos? Should well, they? Should you should you do something with that? Should you bake something in? I kind of reference back and forth between different videos. Maybe I shouldn't, to be maybe, honest. Maybe that's a weird thing about the genre or the the medium that we work in where you don't expect there to be a narrative arc on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I guess this is part of what makes uh, Patrick Willems so interesting. Mm-hmm. is he he is one of the few creators out there where if you miss a video you're actually missing some story you're gonna you, like now so you know why what's i don't happening. watch stuff is because i know i've missed stuff and now <laughs> i can't start you can watch the supercut i could watch the supercut and i probably should watch the supercut because i was in his video so i should yeah. probably know what's you, up you were in the movie sorry Pat. <laughs> you were in the we have a we have scenes together i know <laughs> with your ripped shirt i know yeah yeah my <laughs> patchy the, shirt With YouTube, do you think that the algorithmic nature of it punishes people for for trying to do that? Like, could you build a narrative arc? Could you do something that pulls people back in every time? On some level, I think there's that the YouTube algorithm works on signals that come 
early and the people the people who are early to videos are your core audience they're like the subscribers who click from the notifications and the subscription feed and that kind of thing um and i think those people are your core audience and if they start falling off that's when things can get pretty bad pretty quickly mm. and so those are the people who i just absolutely do not want to alienate um by putting out too much or by making anything that isn't up to what their expectations are but what about not putting out enough what about being forgotten do you worry about that uh, I, I mean, that's that's the thing is I don't forget people like when someone who's been gone for a long time posts a new video. I'm like, oh, shoot, they're back, huh? Mm. I mean, like, for example, uh, Sam Onella posted just after like Sam three Onella. years. This man pops up out of nowhere. Makes a and video you better and believe everyone came back viral. to see what's going on. He's yeah. back. Are you for real? Like, that's a big deal. That sort of draw is something not to be squandered, I think. So on the other hand think economically in terms of like he i guess uh long tail adsense revenue he was making in between mm-hmm. but so it's not like he's making zero dollars yeah but had he been making videos for those three years how much money is on the table how much money was left on the table for sure and i think there's a great argument also to be made that like of course the more revenue that a channel makes the more they can spend and really increase the quality of a video, which is great. And I think that's something I want to work on as well. Yeah. When I look at your stuff, if we, if we, uh, uh, this is only 50% a joke, but like if you're putting out a video every three months mm-hmm. and you're making, let's make up a numbers. So we're not going to share numbers here. You're making a thousand dollars per video, mm-hmm. something ridiculous. Uh, you're making a thousand dollars a video and that's enough for you to live on mm-hmm. You're four thousand dollars a year. Uh, if you were to increase your frequency, you could spend another thousand dollars, uh, but increase frequency to once a month. So you've tripled your output, you mm-hmm. triple your revenue, uh, only doubling your spend. Yeah. And once a month is still infrequently enough that I don't think you alienate anybody. I don't think you overwhelm anybody with content. Is something like that worth it? I think absolutely. And there's, of course, a sweet spot. And it's kind of anyone's guess where the sweet spot is. Like, I'm sure I think even, you know, if the biggest creators on the platform, if Mr. Beast could put out a video every five minutes, I don't think that would actually be worth it. I think there's the 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 point of no return. The the (laughs) the curve starts long before then i remember mary spender um music creator uh amazing talented musician excellent creator uh she did an experiment uh, about two years ago where she spent the month of january i want to say 2021 um she made a video every day Mm -hmm. she committed to the audience i'm going to do a video every day and when she started i'm like don't do this you're going to overwhelm your audience there's not enough upside here it's so much work you're going to, you're going to burn out. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. She did it. And it was like her biggest month ever. Mm-hmm. And the numbers blew everything out of the water. And she comes to me and she's like, I'm so glad I didn't listen. I'm like, I'm so glad you didn't <laughs> listen to me. You're yeah. right. You're right. And then maybe six months later, we had a conversation and uh, I was like, so why did you stop? What changed? And she said, oh, I burned out. That was completely unsustainable. And I had to take like two months off. And right. I, I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly, but it was it was like, yeah, that was really overwhelming. I, I don't know if I can ever do that again. And I'm like, huh. So yeah. we were both right. It was a really great short game move, but <laughs> totally. a terrible long game move. 
I mean, I, I think it de- it really depends on the genre, what you're doing, and, mm-hmm. and whether that can that kind of thing can work. Because I think the kind of story you're telling with her, she was telling a story about her being a musician. What is her experience like? And that deeply parasocial connection is different from uh, animals hitting each other and making wacky yeah. sounds. Yeah, and, and I would love to be in a genre where I I feel like I could put up more and not be running out of content. But they don't make new animals, you know. <laughs> so like, my problem is like I I, I long for like being in a, in a position where you know, for example, when a new game comes out or a new movie comes out, and a creator gets to just kind of cover that, and it's like, of course they're going to cover it, and whatever whatever speed at which the industries are releasing these properties, that's the speed at which they tackle them. Well, there's always new things to say about animals. There's always different configurations of this animal. 100%. And I agree. Animal. But there's not new footage of animals all the time. Ah, yeah, and so true. if I'm pulling, if I'm kind of just pulling from Getty Images, like I've already kind of covered most of the <laughs> like low hanging fruit, I guess I, I could mm. say. Like a lot of the really fun clips, the most interesting, punchiest clips that I've been able to find on stock footage websites, I've used them. <laughs> and I can reuse them and I can rehash them. And I can do better editing, maybe remake but, old videos. Uh, and and I the... am working on some old videos because, like, especially when I was first starting out, I was really mishandling a lot of things. And so I think remaking some of those early things would be a, a prudent move. That's an interesting thing that we get to do in this business that other types of creators don't get to to do. Don't they? I mean, Disney seems like to have no problem rehashing <laughs> well, I mean, like, old properties either. Like uh, artists don't often go back and remake their first record because now, I mean, Taylor but Swift But when they is, do, it works right. pretty dang well, right? So well, like, even then, T- Taylor Swift is just literally trying to make a carbon copy yeah. where you can't tell the difference. That's true. And, and you know, God bless her. I'm, I'm 100% behind what she's doing. Huge mm-hmm. Taylor Swift fan. But she's not taking what she's learned and applying it to make a better version. She's trying to make the exact same thing. So nothing wrong with that, yeah. but it's different. You don't see... Uh, Darren Aronofsky going back and remaking Pi with the resources that he has now and everything he's learned over the last you know, 25, 30 years, whatever it was. Yeah. Like people don't do that. They move on to the next thing. So it's really interesting that in our line of work, it is not uncommon and actually usually a good idea to take the time and go back and try to do something because we're playing an algorithm game. We're playing a discovery game. We want the audience to find what we've done. And we know that to a large degree, what we make is ephemeral. Yeah. Do you worry at all about the 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 nature of the things that you make being i don't know lost to time yeah it, it even shows in a lot of my early videos i'm making references to games that are just not relevant at all anymore like they, they the games that i'm talking about have just been replaced like for example sometimes even the jokes that i make i'll like kind of compare an animal to a character in a game who's like really overpowered but like at this point, that character in the game has been like heavily nerfed and is not good anymore. And so the joke just doesn't work. Like if anyone's watching it now, it's like, what? What do you mean? Weird anachronisms. It's, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. So like, for example, one, one example would be I talk about um, uh, the grappling capabilities uh, of certain creatures. I think I was talking about snakes in one of my early videos. Um, and I compared it like I, I showed like a chart of like good versus bad grappling characters in games and i talked about like roadhog and overwatch having a really good grapple and pac-man from super smash brothers having a really really bad grapple but in the newest smash game pac-man is excellent at grabbing his opponent Uh, and so the joke just falls flat now it doesn't work doesn't make sense so uh, there's a lot of things like that that just happen here and there in uh in videos the older they get 
what about other genres? Like you've, you've, I don't know if, if we can, I won't name names, but you've got other projects that you're like seeding out there into the world. Yeah. Maybe the solution isn't doing more tier zoo. It's building other properties using that same. Oh, style. absolutely. That's hundred percent what I want to do more of. Cause I feel like tier zoo is already kind of strained with what it has left. Uh, and I love it. And I, you know, I think there's still plenty more I can do. Um, but trying to level up the production speed of tier zoo, I think is more difficult than trying to just branch out and make other properties that are easier to recur and, and reiterate on, um, and that kind of thing. Do we want to talk about the other property? Is that a thing that you've, you've, you haven't, you've intentionally avoided talking about this because you wanted to see how it would do it uh, on its own. I have. And so far on its own, it is done mid like it's pretty like fine <laughs> like a thousand fun. views on a video that no one was even supposed to find that's, that's is like yeah. fine perfectly respectable perfectly yeah you haven't fully committed it's, to it's it. been a little skewed i think by the fact that a lot of high profile creators subscribe to it and then it shows up in like who is this person subbed to, mm. which is not a good discovery metric at all, but on the order of like millions, yeah. you get, you do get a little trickle down. And sometimes, you know, that's, that's where I'm getting the vast majority of my views. Well, without naming it, we can avoid naming it. Um, is it, can we talk about like what it is? Yeah. No, I mean, we can even name it. It's not yeah, a big deal. Well, I'll let you. Yeah. So I, I'm working on another channel called Tech Tree, which is basically meant to replicate the sort of tone and uh, like joke style and stuff of Tirzu, but apply it to various inventions across history. It's a great idea. Um, it's a great premise. I, I think it it can work. I don't think it's quite found its footing yet. I remember it was like, what, six months ago, you were here in New York. We were walking up, I think, Sixth Avenue and you were telling me about I know, this. I was I'm just like, like oh, I just had an idea. Awesome. Wait, this might be a good idea. This is really good. I don't remember what I said at the time, but looking at where it is and what's happening, I don't know that the Tier Zoo brand needs to be so. I don't know that the word zoo means that it always has to be about animals. I think that perhaps it's like Nike or yeah. or Apple. Apple doesn't make fruit; they make computers. Tier Zoo doesn't have to just be about animals. It can just be that that is the brand, and over time, you have filled that brand, as Michael Bayrou would say, you've you've imbued it with its its own meaning. And maybe that can stand. So maybe if you put Tech Tree as a second video series on Tierzoo, it would one be much more likely to go mega banger viral, and two help to flesh out the totality of what the brand can be. And it can still be that this is like still branded as Tech Tree on the channel, but it's mm -hmm. clear that Tierzoo is the top level brand. I would prefer to do kind of what like Google did with Alphabet and like just create a higher thing that that's what people recognize, and then. There's a bunch of things below it that, you know, everyone knows this is Google, but it's... Or like what Facebook did with Meta. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, but... Okay, but Meta's not failing because of that. Meta's failing because of like... <laughs> I mean, because VR isn't really what people right. well, want it to be. I wouldn't say that the, the benchmark there is look at why Meta is failing. I'd say the benchmark would be look at why Alphabet succeeds. It succeeds because everyone still just says Google. Google is still the thing, and that's fine. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, Google is still the company. They can call themselves whatever. It's still Google. And their success is because Google is a generic term. When you search for something on the internet, you Google it. Even yeah. if you, you can use Bing, you can use Yahoo, you can use, I don't know, is Jeeves still a thing? Like, you'd still say <laughs> no, Google it. So. I'm still out there Googling. I'm Googling it on the internet. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting though, because I've, you know, having talked to Matt from Extra Credits, where he's basically done the opposite, where he's taken two shows that were already under one umbrella and decided to move them apart uh, and to kind of more uh, distinguish the audiences from each other. And that's worked really well for him so far, I think. We had a ton of conversations about that. We, uh, me, uh, Matt and Jeff from Extra Credits and Todd from from YouTube. Yeah, we, we got on a call. We talked through like, what is the right path here? And there's a lot of, I wouldn't say arguing, but like uh, informed, impassioned debate, not saying you're wrong, you're stupid. That's a dumb way to do it, but rather saying, I'm concerned that if we do it this way, this will happen or asking each other questions. I had asked ahead of time if there's any way we could record that conversation and make it an episode of this show. Yeah, and I got shot be down cool. because, you know, the YouTube slash Google slash, I guess, fucking alphabet people said no. Uh, but man, that would have been a that would have been a great episode. But the, cool. the, the outcome on that was that they're doing like a slow roll on the split. Yeah. And having watched it, it seems like it's going really well. So I don't think, I mean, maybe there was a better way to do it, but I think the way that they did choose is fine. I think well, in their well. case, the, the audience for the history stuff and the audience for the gaming stuff were so different that it was kind of like um, when, when pitch meeting moved off of screen rant. Yeah. Thank God that happened because I want to subscribe to pitch meeting. I want to make sure I see every one of those. They're great. They're hilarious. Mm -hmm. Love Ryan George. I don't ever want to see anything else screen rant ever makes. Or screen, the screen rant? Who cares? Whatever I, they are, yeah. the, it's it's. <laughs> I don't want to shit on their work. It's not for me. I don't care about those videos. Uh -huh. So that split made sense, and I think that for extra credits, it's a similar thing. But for you, is that audience different? Is the audience who wants to hear like, do people come and watch a tears of video because they love animals, and they want to learn new facts? I don't or is know it because you're I, tricking them into enjoying learning. That's definitely a part of it, but I also think the tears of name is so self-explanatory. At least I think it is. And I think a lot of people see it and they're like, oh, okay, so there's going to be tier lists and there's going to be zoology. But I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. I don't know. A morning radio show could be called The Morning Zoo. Like a zoo can be. Well, it's funny because every time I hear Morning Brew, I'm like, oh, clearly it must be about coffee. But it's not. <laughs> it's a, like a newspaper. So I'm like, oh, okay. They'll get there with the branding. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we have friends over there now. Sure. So hopefully they'll no be No shade. <laughs> it's just I, my first impression was, oh, clearly this is a coffee subscription. And I, I have <laughs> nothing positive or negative to say because this show is not sponsored by anybody. Right. Except for Nebula. <laughs> Go sign up for Nebula. Uh, but the the... You're not wrong that people keep when we talk to creators about, hey, Morning Brew wants to sponsor an episode. They're like, I love coffee. Mm -hmm. We're like, OK, so a couple of things. <laughs> One. Well, it's like, OK, yeah, who's really wrong yeah. there, though? No, no. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, again, your brand is an empty vessel. Your logo is an empty vessel. You fill it up with with meaning over time. Yeah. And they just haven't had the time to fill it up with that meaning yet. You have. Tier Zoo means something. It doesn't mean, I don't think, literally uh lists of facts about animals because there's something about gaming in tier zoo i guess the tier is sort of connected but not it really. used to be at this point tier lists have very yeah. much gotten away from me and the gaming scene <laughs> yeah you, you had something to do with that I, I mean kind of i suppose like some people would probably credit me with popularizing tier lists i don't know if i'd go that far <laughs> but i mean it was definitely um, Some people would call me a genius. I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, I, it's just I, I know there's other creators who also kind of were doing oh, sure, it around sure. the same time. I think like Idubs did some yeah. big tier lists. Moist Critical was doing that kind of thing. So I don't know if it's necessarily me, but I I mean, I was the one doing it about animals. And that was. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? This is the Firelife Safety Director. 
So that's Sal. That's the building super. Okay. He's a nice guy, but those speakers are very loud. They are. We got to leave that in. Sure. Leave that, in. that was amazing. <laughs> uh, so you, you were saying like other other folks had a popularized tier list. Regardless of like who's popularized this thing, like that that is like a component of what you do. But I don't, I just don't think that the word zoo needs to mean animals 100% of the time. You could do tier zoo history. Mm-hmm. And have that be a thing because if if what people go there for is they enjoy being uh, sort of tricked into loving learning things because of the format, using things they really enjoy in their spare time, video games as a as a mechanism of teaching, actually not that far off from what the extra credit boys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could keep building out like the, the tiers. You could be like a school. You could have different classes, and maybe some of those are 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 uh, for different folks. Tears you math, hmm. uh, but it it is entirely possible you could build these things out and then as one grows or changes within the audience, segment that out into its own channel. Mm-hmm. But maybe the answer is to uh, start with a collective of things and then uh, uh, split them, let them branch out as you go as they become successful, rather than trying to prop each what each one up on its own. Yeah, I think that's definitely worth trying. I mean, I've tried a little bit with uh, community posts now. I've got mm-hmm. another another separate thing that I was trying out doing just with like 3D animation. And that seemed to work pretty well with just pushing people to um, community posts. But yeah, I think when it comes to either, you know, putting it all separate or merging it together, like as long as you give the people what they want, it'll be more or less okay. All right, so the fire drill's over. Uh, you you have to go have you're you're also grabbing lunch again this is the thing you're grabbing lunch with another creator another friend you've made in this space you just can't help yourself everywhere you go you just make friends and and the world opens up in front of you yeah my if i have a criticism of you if i have a thing to 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 bitch at you about and the spirit of the show is like you know arguing with creators sure if I have a thing that you that is the tension point between the two of us, it's there is so much potential there, and I I kind of wish you would hustle a little bit more. Not saying you do you right. Mm-hmm. That's not really a criticism, but like man, if you want if you really started trying to play the game, you could crush it. You're just so good at it. Well, buckle up. I'll I'll start trying. All right, Patch, thank you for being here to do, uh, you have only recently did like a face reveal sort of thing. So this is like your face reveal tour. That you're I on suppose, right yeah. So for the audience, anybody watching who's a TierZoo fan, now you know about Tech Tree and mm. now you know what Patch looks like. Yeah. This is like all kinds of uh, insider intel. This is the good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for doing this on camera. Sure. Thanks for and, having me on. And delaying your lunch. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.